Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. I want you to open up your Bibles this evening to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 35. If you are reading along in your Bible, you are going to recognize this text because this is a text here that is so powerful we're going to read about. You will love this message, and it's one that speaks to all of us. And you, a lot of times, unfortunately, when it's preached on, it's only spoken about through the context of giving. So when it's time to raise lots of money, preachers turn to this passage here in Exodus chapter 35. But really, this is a passage that's deeper than that. It's really ultimately about our relationship with God. All giving, all generous. If you have a generous heart, that flows out of your relationship with the Lord. You aren't, um, you aren't generous because of, of anything in the world. You're generous because you love the Lord and you've realized how generous the Lord has been to you and you have uh, uh, been generous to others. A gentleman had a funeral about a week and a half ago in Dallas, the First Baptist Church of Dallas, he was the owner, I don't remember his name, but he was the owner of Premier Jewelers. I'm sure you've heard of them, a large jewelry company. And he was a known for his generosity. He gave millions and millions of dollars to Southern Baptist causes, to uh, all sorts of, of organizations that evangelize and promote and encourage the gospel. And I, was, I actually heard some parts of his uh, funeral services, what was being shared there, a very large service, because he touched so many people's lives. And over and over again, it was, it was spoken about their generosity. He even had his grandchildren. They weren't stingy. They were giving testimonies about Grandpa and his generosity towards making sure the gospel was going out uh, and uh, continuing to reach other people. And so the passage we're about to see today is one on what we call building the tabernacle. I want to give you some background information on what, where we are in this text. The tabernacle in the Bible is what we call the portable temple. It was the, the building before the permanent temple that was built in Jerusalem. This is the period of time that Israel is in what we might call transition. They're spending 40 years wandering around in the desert they're in the uh, sinai saudi arabian south jordan desert uh, they have battles they complain to the lord lots of problems occur in the desert and that's what we see about the um, exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy those are the books of the bible that talk about this experience in this desert region and that's also the time that god is he's got this nation they just came out. It's, it's the formation of a nation in those books because they just came out of Egypt and they came through the Red Sea. And it's like God is preparing these people in the middle of the desert for 40 years for something great. But they're not quite ready to go into the promised land. And He's giving them commands and teachings on what they need to do. And that's where we're going to pick up. What happened is uh, Moses went up on Mount Sinai. He received the Ten Commandments. 
He comes down and they're worshiping. Aaron has made this golden calf. Aaron claimed it jumped right out of the fire with uh, the gold from the people. They took their jewelry. They shaped a calf. Moses is terribly upset, throws down the Ten Commandments, uh, 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 takes the, the golden calf, destroys it, puts it in water, makes him drink it. 3,000 people die. Uh, it's just a tragic event. Uh, lots of problems from that. Uh, so uh, the, Israel was punished greatly for the golden calf incident. And then God called Moses back up again to receive another 40 days on the mountain. And he gets a second set of the Ten Commandments. So the Israelite community, they are just there and they're witnessing this. They're, they're seeing how the Lord is disciplining. They're seeing the, uh, the death that occurred from that incident. God wanted to wipe all the people out. He was terribly upset because Moses pleaded on behalf of the people. God did not destroy them. And we're going to pick up, and we're now going to see this, what we call the building of the tabernacle. The first building project we see right here that was authorized by the Lord is the tabernacle. When a community is going to be built, the first thing you should build is the place of worship. Why? Because we were created to worship. That's why when you go into downtown cities, what do you see? You see the first Baptist church in downtown because that city was founded upon right there, central, right next to City Hall, is the Baptist church where it was the place for worship. And it should still be that way today. There's no reason it shouldn't be. Uh, because that is what we as, cre we as creation for the Lord, we were created to worship God. And this is central to our life, coming to church, coming to the tabernacle, coming to the temple. And then, uh, for us as Christians, coming as part of the body of Christ and worshiping the Lord Jesus. So that's what's going on here. This is God's first building project. So that's, uh, that's what we do with this. And here's where we're going to go with this. This is actually a message on relationships. Yet, the main relationship is actually the people's relationship with God. They give generously to the building campaign. They gave so generously, Moses had to say, stop, we, we, don't, we don't need more money. Just stop giving. No more offering plates. We're not passing these plates anymore. We're going to hold on to them. They did not have room for the amount of gifts and uh, money they were receiving. God's people were generous. And one of the reasons I believe they were so generous is because they just witnessed what occurred with that horrible golden calf incident. 3,000 people died. They, Moses had to go back up on the mountain. We had an entire do-over. And the Lord was angry over that incident. They had to drink and eat that calf. Moses burned it up, made it into dust, and made them drink it. So that's where we pick up here in our Bibles. So we're going to be in Exodus 35, verse 4. Then Moses said to the entire Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take up an offering among you for the Lord. 
And by the way, that's where every offering we collect, it's not for, it's not, our offering's not for Broadway Baptist Church. Our offering we collect is for the Lord. Anytime you give an offering, you're making that offering to God. The very first offering ever made uh, was actually where we see um, when God asked for a sacrifice from Cain and Abel, and they brought their sacrifice. The first financial offering we ever see is when um, Abraham gave an offering, a tithe, to the high priest Melchizedek. He gave a tithe to the, to the Lord through Melchizedek. And it came from Abraham. So it's interesting about offerings. You know, offering in a church. The offering, is you, you always think, um, does money lead to murder? And that was actually, uh, in nowadays you ask for offering, you ask for um, you, you get money. But the very first earth offering, Cain and Abel, you remember, Cain brought uh, grain from the field. He brought crops. Abel gave his animals the, the best he had to the Lord. So there was a different type of offering. The animals versus the crops. And jealousy came from that. Do you know in churches, they fight many times if they're going to fight over money. There's disagreements over money. It, that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 4. I mean, the first offering to the Lord, they end up having a murder. That comes, there comes a murder from the first offering right there. So here we are. We're now about to receive this offering to build a new tabernacle to the Lord. Take up an offering among you for the Lord. Let everyone whose heart is willing bring this as the Lord's offering, gold, silver, and bronze. Now, I'm going to stop. We're not going to read all of this. So we're going to skip several verses, and we're going to pick up in verse 20. What's important about this here is you notice right off the bat, our offering begins with our heart. God sees our heart. God has told, and I talked about this on Wednesday night, why would we come to church and present our offering to the Lord when we hate our brother? God says, who are you fooling? When the offering plates passed, when we walk forward and we give our gifts that we just gave, that is our time for self-reflection and say, Lord, is my heart pure? Lord, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because of love for you? So the Lord is examining those who have a good heart for their offering. So skip down here in your, your Bible, and you're going to now pick up in verse 20. So this is the, the type of offering they're going to give. Verse 20. Then the entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting. That's the tabernacle for all its services and for the holy garments. Both men and women came. All who had willing hearts brought brooches, earrings, rings, necklaces, and all kinds of gold jewelry. Everyone who presented a presentation offering of gold to the Lord. Notice, men and women are bringing their offering. And two times, again, don't miss that part. Their heart was willing. God does not want people to bring an offering to him who are conned, who are 
uh, bait and switch. That's not, that's not what the Lord wants. We, he wants people who say, I want to give generously. I want to see my, my gifts multiplied. So that's the, what we see here, that examination of their hearts. Now keep going. We're going to skip down a few more verses because now we're going to get into gifts. Maybe some of you are not pastors and preachers and gifted to sing. Maybe some of you have phenomenal skills with your hands or with technology or what you do at work. God has just gifted you and what other people might struggle with. You do phenomenally well. Well, we're about to meet some of those people. God gave, gave, these are some of the first spiritual gifts we see here in the Bible. That these men were gifted to build the tabernacle. In fact, I have a picture here. Sound team, why don't we throw our picture up on the screen? This is what the tabernacle looked like. So that's where, now this is a portable building. So because when God said go, they had to pick everything up and it just moved. They carried it on poles. So everything went. And the, uh, the sacrifices were um, kept on the outside there. That's where the priest would make the sacrifice. Inside that building there, that is where what we would see the Ark of the Covenant. It was inside. So once a year in that building, you would see the priest would go in there and make an atonement inside, inside there. So you just, and Moses would also go inside there when the Lord summoned him and meet with the Lord. So... It was a, a holy place that it was walled off so you could not just, you know, people playing baseball out there wouldn't be able to see what's going on with, with the sacrifices with the Lord. So it was also a very portable, and the Levites would move it when God says it was time to travel. So they are carrying, they're literally folks, carrying their church with them. I mean, these folks are carrying this building in the middle of the desert. That is what it looked like. I mean, this, this, we would look at these people today and laugh. I mean, this would be a joke. I mean, they're wandering around in circles carrying a portable tent for their offering to the Lord. You see why constantly people mocked them. You see why they're constantly having fights. You see why the people are turning against the Lord. They're probably thinking, what, what are we doing? What is this? It's just bizarre. But that's what the Lord said. And this is what's amazing about this. Folks, that right there, that picture, that's where you're at right now. That's where it started. Because that's, that is the tent of meeting, the tabernacles, interchangeable names. Then it becomes the temple in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, one certain spot purchased by David. Land purchased by David, right in this one certain spot. Then, it became the church after Jesus. Those are the phases of what you just see. So what you are experiencing right now began right there. In this desert, somewhere in Saudi Arabia and Jordan, just all over the place, wandering around. So that's, and it's being built right here. Alright, pick up here in your Bibles. We're now skipping down to verse 30. We're moving along. Moses then said to the Israelites, Look, the Lord has appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, 
He has filled him with God's Spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and the ability in every kind of craft. So God's raising up these craftsmen to build this. To design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze. To cut gemstones for mounting and to carve wood for work in every kind of artistic craft. He has also given both him and Ohiolab, son of Ahizmak of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. Teaching is a gift. So because they have this gift of craftsmanship, they now have the gift of teaching other people how to work with their hands. He has filled him with the skill to do all the work of a gem cutter, a designer and embroiderer in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and a weaver. They can do every kind of craft and design, artistic designs. So the, this here is a gift from the Lord. God raised these men up for this very purpose. Chapter 36, verse 1. Belzel, or Belzelzel, Ohilab, and all the skilled people are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work of constructing the sanctuary. So Moses summoned Belzel and Ohilab and every skilled person in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom and all whose hearts moved them to come to the work and do it. Notice that God moved in their heart. God not only gave them a skill, He gave them, He moved in their hearts and says, you need to do this. You need to, you need to turn to the Lord. You need to use what you've been given to teach others, to work with your hands, to, to build this sanctuary, this tabernacle. And then it says here, verse 3, They took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary. So they were asked to give. If you had a good heart, you were to give. It wasn't coerced, it was with a good, good heart. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning folks we give once a week these folks gave every day i mean they were passing the plate every morning i mean seven days a week maybe not on sabbath because that would break the size six days a week they're passing the offering plate all they do is give 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 and i mean they are just constantly in the spirit of generosity then is then verse four. And by the way, the word free will offering is used there. Free will means uh, you aren't you don't have to do it. There's no expectation. It's above and beyond anything you've expected. This is when God's laid something on your heart, something you need to do, and you just give towards it. No one needs to know about it. No one asks you to do it. You are just a giver. You have the spirit of generosity to give to others. That's what free will means. Then all the artisans who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work. They were doing and said to Moses, The people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work the Lord has commanded to be done. I mean, we don't, we don't need all this stuff. Like, it just keeps growing. After Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp. 
Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. They had a generous heart and they were told to stop giving. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. There was, no, there was more than enough. More than enough. The people responded graciously to what was requested of them. And what I want to explain why this occurred. You're probably thinking, why did these people give so generously to the Lord? Now, understand, at this point in the book of Exodus, they have not been out of Egypt that long. Remember, they came out of Egypt, then God summoned Moses up on Mount Sinai. He had spent 40 days up there, we broke that, we had to have the golden calf incident, had to experience the, the wrath of God from that, then he had to go back up there, receive another set of Ten Commandments. Now he's come back down. So I want to turn back in our Bibles and see. So that was right there, 80 or so days. So you're talking, they've, they've only been out of Egypt probably six, five, six, seven months. It has not been that long. This isn't 20 years because God quickly wants to get his tabernacle built. He starts his building project right away. Flip back here in your Bible to Exodus chapter 33. This is why the people respond so well. This has to do with relationships. In fact, I'm pulling out my bulletin for you. We're going to read it because we're going to read Exodus 33:12 and 33:17. Do you know with relationships, we live or die on relationships? The you know, most important thing is when you come to church, one of the most important questions are who am I going to sit with? Who's going to speak to me? Who do I know? Has anyone made me feel welcome? We had some visitors at our 1115 service. I want to encourage you, you need to go back and watch the 1115 service today because we have a young lady who's a student at Midway. Her name's Aaliyah. And she gave a testimony about the revival going on. By the way, after the service, I'm, I'm going to take Daniel and Elizabeth, our two teenagers, I'm going to go down to Wilmore and go, go to Asbury and see the revival tonight. Since it's a 24-hour service, I guess you just show up whenever you want to. Those are my kind of services. You're not nailed down on a certain time. You just arrive, and there it is. So we're going to go this evening after this service is over. So Aaliyah is a student at Midway. The revival's going on at Asbury. Well, she gave a testimony and shared. Okay, that revival started on Wednesday morning. She has already been down there three times since it started, made the trip. And one of them, she stayed all night. She said it was crazy. It's 12.30 at night. And this auditorium has thousands of people. She said there were eight-year-old children there. I mean, these people should be in bed. And they're at the revival in the middle of the night. All sorts of people. She says it was amazing what the Lord was doing. Folks were getting saved. They, she had heard of uh, people were being delivered of demons. They said the people were um, uh, confessing their sins. They were turning to the Lord in repentance. It was a genuine revival. And if you go back and watch that service from this morning, you will hear a testimony of someone. She, in fact, was so excited about it. She's one of our most involved college students. Tonight, the college uh, football party, the Super Bowl parties are at his ex-house. She's not there. She left. This 
and was left the morning service and was going back to Asbury for the revival. Because what happened, they shut it down this morning, I think she said at 6 a.m., so everyone could go to their home church, and they're going to reopen it, the services at 1 o'clock and just continue on. You went? Do you want to, why don't you give a testimony about this real quick? No, I want, I want the folks to hear this, Innocent. This is powerful because... Yeah, turn, turn in we just can't understand what's going on, but clearly it is spontaneous. It's not something that somebody organized. It's not something where they invited a speaker from anywhere. It's just a normal chapel service that started Wednesday morning, and that chapel service is still going on up to now. Classes were just stopped. I heard testimonies, people who drove from Louisiana, people who drove from Indiana, People who drove from, is it Texas? Many different parts of the state as they saw the postings on Facebook. And you could hear young people giving wonderful testimonies of their repentance and how God has been opening their eyes to see. Is the atmosphere was just such, an, such a wonderful one. It was not a place where you want to go there and say, okay, I am Baptist or I am this denomination. No, it's not that kind of atmosphere. It's God's presence right there. When you get there, you can feel it. You can sense it. You can experience it. It was, it was just so great. And you know what is most exciting? You have college students. They're the ones with the most testimonies. There's this lady from Malaysia who gave her testimony with her husband. He said uh, they came from Malaysia. God sent them to Wilmore three years ago to pray for revival. They prayed for that revival for about two years. And as they moved to New York, she was crying that they have not seen the revival. And they went back to Malaysia to settle some things. And they came back to the United States on the 7th of um, February. And as they came, they came through Kentucky. The next day, the revival broke. Wow. And wow. so you can just see what God is doing over there. I mean, it's just a lot. I can't say everything I experienced so there. But that I was there for just one hour, and I felt like I was there for the whole time, the, the all wow, day. Wow, that is, and I tell you what's so encouraging about that is led by young people. That is, that is encouraging. Thank you, Innocent, for doing that. But um, Aaliyah gave a very powerful testimony that you want to hear about that. And here's why this is important. Because we, when we have experienced God and we have experienced the Lord, we, we respond out of these type of relationships with God. And all of us here, every relationship is going to fall into one of these five. I'm looking at my bulletin here. If you have your bulletin. Number one, there are strangers. These are people we do not know. You have no idea who a stranger is. Two, you have an acquaintance. That means you know someone's name. You shake their hand. You wouldn't really call them during the week, wouldn't really text them. You just know them. That's somebody you know. Might be a coworker. Just you just know that's about you maybe know a little bit about them, but not really too much. And number three, you have a friend. And these are your friends. And for the most part, the people we spend our time with are going to be in that acquaintance-friend area. Because we don't really spend a lot of time with strangers because that they're strangers. You just don't talk to strangers. Most people on earth are strangers to us. We have no idea who they are. We, we don't know them. It's not bad, not good. It's just that's who they are. And then we move on down here, and we get to what we call an ally. 
An ally is someone who speaks up on your behalf. Allies are people who are close, deep friends. An ally is someone who will say when they maybe hear some gossip or something that might not be true, they say, oh, that's not right. Or if they hear something, they go and let you know. Or they check on you. They, they go above and beyond a, a friend. And allies are what we need. People who have our best interest. If you're struggling with something, your ally is there wanting the best for you. You know, even with your friends, a lot of times, friends are friends, but even friends, you might only talk to them once a month or once every two months. And they're your friends, you talk to them, you love them, but you just, for various reasons, you don't see them, you don't see them very much. And then number five is a confidant. This is the person you completely trust. And a lot of us have either zero or one, maybe two people in, in a confidant. A lot of people don't have any. And that's a person that you know you have complete trust in. And I wanna, I'm sharing this because I believe what you're about to see about Moses is the reason why Moses was able to stand before the people and say, it's time now to give your offering because they knew this man knew the Lord. It says here, Exodus 33, 12. Now what I'm about to read, these two verses, 33, 12 and 33, 17, is the only person in the Bible in the history of the world who is spoken about this way. Now, there's people in the Bible who say, I call you by name, but only Moses is it spoken about where the Lord said, I know you by name. Only person in the Bible, I know you by name, two times was spoken about of Moses. Moses knew God. He had a deep relationship with the Lord. When the Bible says, when Moses came down, we won't read it, but in uh, chapter uh, uh, 34, verses 29, 30, don't turn there, I'm just going to tell it to you. When he came down that second time from Mount Sinai, it says his face was glowing and it was radiant. The people looked at him and thought, oh my, Moses knows the Lord. Moses has been in the presence of the Lord. And look at this Bible verse here. Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, lead this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said... I know you by name, and you have also found favor with me. God made that statement to Moses. Moses is quoting what the Lord says. I know you by name. Look at verse 17, because here's where God says it right here. He's affirming this. 33, 17, the Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing, you have asked. He's asking to see the Lord. So God puts Moses in a cleft of a rock, and he passes by, but Moses cannot see God's face, or he dies. 
But the reason He does it is because why? I will do this very thing you have asked. For why? You have found favor with Me and I know you by name. God knows Moses. The, the Lord and Moses had one of the most unique relationships in all of the Bible, in all of human history. Do you know the Bible says that God buried Moses? God performed the burial service. The first song in the Bible was by Moses. God is saying, I know you. You're not just any person. Moses, and I'm going to listen to you because I know who you are. And I, I know your heart and I know your desires for the Lord. You know, when we hear about Moses, so much we know about this man. This man had an anger problem. He was a murderer. He, was, he would get frustrated all the time. But he had a heart and he had obedience. And at first, remember when he was called from the burning bush? He didn't even want to go. But he could not run. He could not resist God's call on his life. And I think we see the people of Israel, they looked at their leader Moses and said, that man knows God. That's why we're going to bring our offering. That's why we're going to respond. What happens if we want people? If, we, you want to have, if you want to have a deep relationship with others, that will flow from your deep relationship with the Lord. Because we realize how important first Moses, he knew, I, have, I know the Lord so well, I can go to these people here and ask them to give every single morning, pass that offering plate, and they give overflowing amounts to the Lord. A generous heart. It was out of his, out of his relationship with the Lord he was able to ask that. Moses was not stingy. He was not a selfish person. The Bible says this is the most humble man who's ever walked on earth. He was humble before the Lord. I'm not going to turn there, but I want to tell you one example in the New Testament of someone who did something in the name of Jesus, but the demon did not know who he was. I'm going to quote this example. This is what happens when you try to use God, but God does not know you. In Acts chapter 19, Paul was performing great miracles. Paul was a soul winner. And there was this man called, was his unusual name, his name was Seven Sons of Sceva. Seven Sons of Sceva was a Jewish high priest. So what he started doing he recognized, in Acts chapter 19, verses 13 and 17, he recognized that Paul had these miraculous powers, and he wanted them. So he started, he was listening at what Paul was doing. And Paul kept talking about the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, turn to your sins. In the name of Jesus, you call upon the name of the Lord. He was using the name of Jesus. And then what happens here is this guy, seven sons of Sceva, he says, you know what? I want to start using the name of Jesus. So he goes around and tried to, he found some demon-possessed man and says, in the name of Jesus, you need to come out. Well, the evil spirit came out. And then he looked at the man and go, who are you? 
you're not, and this is what the evil spirit said. He said, the evil spirit looks at the seven sons of Sceva, and he says, Jesus I know. Paul I recognize. I know those folks. But who are you? And it says the man, the evil spirit, beat him up so bad, he lost all his clothes and he ran away naked. It just, just beat him up right there by the evil spirit. He was trying to use the name of Jesus, but he did not have a relationship with Jesus. And folks, I believe that happens all the time. We cannot use God. God isn't available. The Lord isn't available to be used by people. And that, we see that occur right there. So what, what we see here from our text this evening when we look at our relationships, and you want that deep, confident, confidant relationship we talked about, how so few people have, that is the type of relationship we want with the Lord. Moses had that. Jesus had it. Paul had it, the Bible says. And the, when you have that, other people will recognize it. Even the evil spirit knew who Jesus and who Paul were. But they did not know the man who was trying to misuse the name of Jesus. So this evening, I ask you, does Jesus know you this way? Does the Lord know you by name? Do you have this deep relationship with the Lord, a longing relationship with the Lord, that all your other friendships and relationships flow out of because when you have a close relationship with God then in many ways only then can you go and be a blessing to other people because I've spent time with God I've been praying I've been bleeding with the Lord and then it just spills over into other people's life that is the type of relationships that you want to have so look at this passage here you either spiritually you either Know God or you don't. The old phrase, who you know, really does matter. You, you always hear about people who get great things in life. It's about all who you know. But yeah, those are worldly things. But who you really know is the Lord. And that ultimately is what we know. Knowing God is our greatest relationship we'll ever have in all other relationships for that. Praise team. Steve, why don't y'all move on up here? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We're going to have our invitation. Why don't we sing Just As I Am? That's in our hymn book. Innocent, Korean, y'all lead us in that song. I'm going to pray for us while y'all come forward. And I want to tell you our invitation. Uh, maybe y'all have been thinking about responding uh, to the Lord, maybe about joining our church. I'll be standing out front. You make it public tonight on Super Bowl Sunday. Say, so I need to make a decision to make it public this evening. And become part of this wonderful church family. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up as I pray. And then we're going to sing Just As I Am, right? 435. 435. So I'm going to pray. 435 in your songbook. God, I pray this word is sealed upon our hearts. Lord, I pray that it is one that we take and see how, what it means to know you. And from that knowledge of you, we give to you generously. The offering plates overflow. The evil spirits recognize that man Paul, he knows the Lord. That man, Daniel, he knows Jesus. That woman, Corrine, she loves the Lord. Lord, that's the type 
of relationship with the Lord we want to have that flows over and spills over in other people's lives. Lord, this invitation is something we're doing for you, an audience of one. God, if there's some folks here who need to respond and make this their church home, maybe they need to get baptized in our upcoming baptism service, or they need to come take my hand for prayer. Lord, this is the night of responding. If they can respond in Wilmore, you can respond right here in Lexington too. Lord, it's the same Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our songbook, 435. 435.